Well, good morning, church. Are you glad to be in church today? Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, real quick, before we dive into this week's message, can we welcome everyone that is joining us online and our Hocasting family? Come on, put your hands together one more time. We love you. We're glad that you're joining us. Love you, Hocasting. Love you, online family. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave Jackson. I'm one of the pastors here at The Journey, and I am excited to be able to share with you something that I feel like God's put on my heart today. I'm so grateful uh, and honored, really, for these kind of opportunities and thankful to have a lead pastor and Pastor Mark, who's so generous and trusting with these opportunities. How many of you are thankful for our lead pastor, Pastor Mark? Isn't he good? Love you, Pastor. He's away this weekend, spending some time with God, gearing up for all that God has in store for us as a church in the, in the months to come. So super excited for what God's doing here in this place and in Hocast and in online. And I'm just grateful to be a part of it. And we're in the middle of this series called Open Mic. And we are looking at this idea that, you know, life is full of things that can distract us. Busy moments, busy seasons, things that can steal our attention. And we learn that God has made us for a purpose, but if we're not careful, those distractions, those things in our life that seemingly make us busy can steal the attention away, and we could miss the purposes that God has made us for in light of those things. And we've got this theme verse that we've been looking at in the series in Ephesians. Last week we learned the first part about it. Abby taught and I encourage you go back, watch last week's message. But we heard, for we are God's masterpieces. We're God's masterpieces. He, he designed us. He created us. He uniquely made us. And we learned that the maker, God, he knows best for our lives. And the second part, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. And that's where we're going to focus our attention today because I think many of us, we like the idea of being a masterpiece, but we don't always understand that it's a process. It's a process for our lives. How many of you have ever uh, renovated a, a house? Yeah. How many of you have helped out renovating a house? Yeah, I've been there, you know. I remember as a kid, my dad, uh, he's like, son, we needed, we needed to, to run some wire. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, dad's probably watching right now. Get up in the attic. I want you to crawl all the way to the back, darkest, deepest region of the attic where there's no floor. It's full of spiders. The only thing standing between you and the kitchen below is uh uh, batting, you know, like fiberglass insulation that gets all over you. And then I want you to stick your hand down in the place where you can't see and run a wire. Fun. Maybe, maybe you're a wife and your version of renovation is telling your husband what to do. <laughs> Carrie and I, when we bought our first home, we bought a house in Florida. I remember it was, it was a great little house. We, we bought it. It was a foreclosure, so we got an amazing deal on it. It was this four-bedroom home, 
and uh, it uh, had a swimming pool and it's a big patio swimming pool out back. All the, all the houses in Florida have swimming pools, so that's nothing special in Florida, right? Had a garage. We, we loved it. We got into the house. We were the first ones to look at this foreclosure because you never know what a foreclosure is going to look like. And we're like, we, we expected some things needed to be changed. So we get in and we see some changes that need to be made. But, but there was one condition that Carrie said, hey, we are not buying this house unless before we move in, we renovate that bathroom. And this is why. Check this out. That was our bathroom. Apparently in the 70s when they built homes, they liked to make tubs and toilets the color of whatever dirt could possibly be on those things. So you never knew if it was clean or not. There were probably things growing on these toilets and sinks that were older than me. So it was time. It was time. So we decided, yeah, we're going to buy the house, and we're going to renovate this bathroom. We got such a good deal in the house. We're like, we got we to gotta renovate this bathroom. So I, I got excited. I'm like, okay, cool. We get to start this project. I'm grabbing power tools. I'm grabbing sledgehammers. I'm grabbing pry bars, and I go to town. I got to chip up all of the tile out of the floor. I got to tear down walls. I got to destroy that ugly vanity. Man, that was disgusting. That sink didn't work. You see the water sitting in it right now? now that's gross who knows how long that water is a foreclosure it could have been there a while but literally tore it down to the studs I got to destroy the bathtub with a sledgehammer it's a metal bathtub I didn't know they made metal bathtubs until I tried to pick this one up I said you know what I'm gonna hit nothing more fun than hitting a bathtub with a sledgehammer let me just encourage you find an opportunity in your life to do that but this renovation project, i got to be honest with you, was a lot of hard work. There were several late nights. <laughs> it was extremely messy. There was bloodshed. There were words uttered that I can't repeat in church. Frustrations. It was a process that was a lot more difficult than I expected when I got started. But when I was finished... Man, it was worth it. It was nice. I built a, I built a bathroom, y'all. I played those tiles. New toilet, new vanity. It was great. But it was a process. It was a process. And you know what? I think our lives are like that sometimes. Whether you call yourself a believer or not, whether you say you believe in Jesus or know Jesus, if you honestly looked at your life right now, you can probably identify some areas of your life that need renovation. They need some changes. It could be your relationship with your spouse. It could be your attitude. It could be your family dynamic. It could be the way, to see your, the way you see yourself, the way that you perceive yourself to be. Whatever it is for you, can I tell you, God is inviting you into this process of creating something new. He's inviting you into the renovation Process. But what does that look like for you and I? How, how are we made new? How, how do we become this masterpiece that we hear God sees in us? How do we get to that place? Well, Paul writes 
in another part of the Bible, and it gives us some insight into what it looks like to be made new, to enter into the process. And to give you some context here, Paul, he's writing to the Galatians, which was a church that he had started years ago. And they had gotten off track a bit. They had some people come in and teach some things that were contrary to, to what was correct. So Paul, he's writing them and he's bringing some correction and he's bringing some encouragement. And he gives them a challenge in this bit of scripture that i got to be honest with you is one of the most challenging scriptures maybe that we could ever read. Have you, ever, have you ever looked at a situation in your life or a circumstance and you saw something that needed to change, but it was like, man, I know that's going to be difficult, that's going to be hard, but I know it's got to be done. You ever been there? That's what Paul is writing to the Galatians in this scripture. We find it in Galatians 2.20, and he starts off by saying, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Now, we know by history that's not how Paul died. So that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a literal crucifixion. And yet he says, I am crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ. So what does he mean here? He's referring to my will, my way, my plan for my life, my intentions, my goals, how I live my life. I am crucified my flesh is crucified with Christ it's a painful place it's a place of restraint it's difficult Paul's saying the old me the old person that I was is dead it's crucified with Christ so it's not just Christ that was crucified I am crucified my will is crucified I don't get to say the things that I would always like to say. I don't get to respond the way that I would like to respond. I don't get to do everything that I want to do. I don't, I don't get to have things my way. I'm crucified with Christ. He's talking about the, the value of living a life of restraint. You know, while the message of Jesus is freeing, with every freedom comes a responsibility for you and I. I'm restrained. I'm crucified with Christ. I don't get to do my thing or get my way or do it my, my way and disregard God. I'm restrained. I'm crucified with Christ. And I want you to get the picture in your mind of what this looks like. Because if you just read the words, you won't get the picture. You won't see it for what it is. You don't really understand the restraint. I am nailed up with Christ. Where I go, where I live, how I live, what I do, what I say, I am living a surrendered life to Christ. What a challenge. It includes our morality. It includes our integrity. But it goes so much deeper than that. It comes down to us saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. So what does that look like? It says, God, I'm going to lean into the things that matter most to you and move away from the things that matter most to me. I'm going to make you the priority of my life. I'm going to make the things that matter to you the priority of my life. What does that mean? It says I'm going to surrender my plans. I'm going to surrender what I had in mind for my life. I'm going to surrender my, my, the, the, uh, the 
the schedule that I have for my life. I'm going to surrender my preferences. It's saying, God, you know what, in this summer season where I could be going to the beach every weekend, you know what, maybe I'm going to focus in on you in this season. I'm going to turn my attention to you. I'm going to allow you to do in me what you want to do during this season of my life. It may mean uh, saying, you know what, I'm busy. I know things going, are going on, but I'm going to find a place in my schedule to, to lead a J group, to allow other people to connect with God the way I've connected with God. You know what, it may be easier for me to go to church on Sunday morning at 9, but I'm going to make room for more. I'm going to make the switch. I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to lay down my preferences. I'm going to surrender my will, my life. I'm going to say, God, what matters most to you matters to me. I am crucified with Christ. What a challenge. What a challenge. Earlier this year, I, I walked through a challenging season in my own personal life. I was dealing with some anxiety and depression. To be honest, it was for the first time in a really long time, and it was because of some situations that were completely out of my control. How many have been there? Yeah, I know. I talked to you. I found myself in a low place. It was affecting my mindset, my health, my relationships. And I was like, God, I, I don't know what to do. I need, I, need, I need to hear from you. And so I just committed. I'm going to spend some time with God more than usual. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read my word more. I'm going to turn my attention, God, to everything that you have for me in this season. And as I begin to lean into God, I begin to realize, man, in the middle of all that mess, in the middle of these things that I couldn't control, he wanted to do something in me. There was a renovation that was going on inside of me. There were some things that God wanted to grow in me, some things that God wanted me to let go of. The Bible says, seek and you'll find. When you get in those seasons of your life, those low seasons in your life, can I tell you, lean in in those moments. Don't put up walls. Don't put up barriers. Lean into what God wants to do in you. And I leaned in, and God spoke something to my life and to my situation that honestly changed my frame of mind. And that's what God can do in your life and in your situation. If you'll lean in, he can speak something to you that will change your perspective, that will change your mindset, that will change a circumstances, that will, will breathe life into what you feel like is a dead situation. And here's what God spoke to me. There is promise in the process. There is promise in the process. Living a crucified life is a process. It's giving up everything, some better than others, and committing to God every single day. You see, no, I don't know what today's going to look like, but God, it is yours. Whatever you have for me, I'm now ready to do because the old me and all of his ambitions and all of his insecurities and all of his uncertainties, I'm counting in them as dead. I am crucified with Christ. I am leaning in to your process because I know there's a promise in the process what a challenge from Paul in this moment he goes on I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live nevertheless I live 
Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it to the fullest. He didn't come to take away life from you. He wants to give life to you. Nevertheless, I live. I have restraints. I have, I have, my life is surrendered to you. But nevertheless, I live. I live. I'll speak when you say speak. I'll go when you say go. I'll do what you say for me to do. I'll give when you say for me to give. I'll pray when, I, when you say to pray. Nevertheless, I live. I may be crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. Jesus wants us to live. He's created a life for you. A lot of people, they stop living. They stop living. They have no joy. They have no peace. They look sad. They look frustrated all the time. They look, they look like the life is getting ready to end. But Paul says, hey, nevertheless, I live. Nevertheless, I live when I don't have a job. Nevertheless, I live when I just got back from the funeral home and buried somebody that I loved. Man, things didn't go the way that I thought they would go. But nevertheless, I live. you got to make a decision to live. Can I tell you, the, the most fulfilling life to live is a life that is focused on other people. When you say, you know what, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to surrender it to you, God, the way that you surrendered your life. You gave everything. I'm going to give everything. I'm going to focus on the things that matter to you, God. And you say, you turn your attention off of yourself and on to other People, what does that look like? It's saying, you know what, I'm going to go to Plugged In. I'm going to get connected to our church. I'm going to serve other people. It may be serving in production. It may be serving on the worship team. It may be serving back in kids, dealing with kids all the time. Praise God we have people that do that. <laughs> I'm so thankful for the people that put up with Little Jackson. Let me just tell you. You may be serving in our creatives department. You may, who, wherever it is, you say, you know what? I'm going to take the attention off of myself. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything that there is to know. I'm going to lead a J group, and I'm going to share with people what God's done in me. Nevertheless, I live giving your life away to other people. Remember, it's not always easy. But there is promise in the process. When we say, God, what matters to you matters to me. And I know I'm in a process. I know you're growing me. I know that you're renovating my life. I know that you're turning me into the masterpiece that you have seen in me from long ago. So many of us, we're not living. We're just existing we're breathing but not living. We're not living out of guilt, out of shame, out of anger, out of unforgiveness, out of, out of pain. Paul says, I can be crucified with Christ, yet I still live. Do you know that God wants you to live, to have life, that all the things that are stopping you from really living that relates to guilt or shame or bitterness or the, the mistakes that you've made, that none of that is what God wants for you. He wants all of those things to be crucified with Christ so that you can say, nevertheless, I live. You know, we all need a good nevertheless in our life. 
We all need a good nevertheless of life. Dealing with family issues, nevertheless I live. You've been rejected, nevertheless I live. You had to downsize, nevertheless I live. You went through a broken home and divorce, nevertheless I live. You've been abused, nevertheless I live. You've been ostracized, nevertheless I live. You have to have a nevertheless down on the inside of you in those moments that says, you know what, I'm going to live no matter what comes my way. The battle is not mine. Nevertheless, I live. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to step into life as best I can as God is healing me because nevertheless, I live. Paul continues. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Paul said, hey, nevertheless I live, I live. And then he says, not I, but Christ lives in me. There is a new spirit in me. There is a new attitude in me. There is a new personality that's down inside of me as a believer. I live and Christ lives inside of me. And it's important that you and I understand that whether we're believers or not. Because can I tell you, if you're not a believer, Christ wants to step into your situation right now. He wants to come alongside you. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. It may get tough. It may be a challenge. It may not be what you want it to be. You might have to make some adjustments in your life, but Christ is with you. He is alongside you. The battle is not yours. It belongs to God. And he has a way of working things out that he can only do that I have no business getting involved in. There's one thing I want you to get out of this message is that Christ is inside of you. The process isn't easy, but when you're made new, Christ, he is in you. You have a new personality. You have a new person, a new attitude. You have love, joy, peace, meekness, and temperance in your life because Christ is in you. So when you're driving on 95... In that car with New Jersey license plates... Sorry, New Jersey. I've experienced it in Florida and Delaware, okay? And you want to say something to that person that you know you shouldn't? Jesus holds your tongue. Because he's on the inside of you. He's changed you. He's made you different. See, it's not in my nature to do that. It's in Christ's nature to do that. His divine nature is inside of you. And he says, you know what? I want you to do what I told you to do. And I want you to do good to those people who hurt and offend you. Can I tell you, if there was, if, if I can count how many times that I wanted to say what I wanted to say and God kept me from saying it, man, be a long list. But he's living on the inside of us. He's saying, do what I tell you to do. Don't do what you want to do. Can I tell you, that's the kind of surrender where Christ really becomes the Lord of your life. 
where he's not just a savior. He's just not a paramedic when you have a need. He's not just somebody who rescues you when you make a mistake and then you put him back on the shelf when you're done until you need to call 911 again. You're like, God help me. He wants to live with you every day. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to protect you. He wants to lead you. He wants to restrain you. He wants to push you. He wants to drive you. He wants to cause you to have courage in every situation, in every circumstance. He wants to move you forward. Christ is living inside of you. Don't live your life and not tap into God who's living on the inside of you. Paul goes on, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, the life I now live in the flesh. Now he's already told us that Christ is living in him, and yet he says the life that I now live, which is the life of Christ Jesus, I live in the flesh. It's the life of the Christian. It's the life of the believer, the life that's being transformed. I live in the flesh. Paul is saying in this moment, listen, I'm not perfect yet. There's still some flesh there. I'm in process too. I'm being transformed. I'm in renovation. So, so what part is being transformed? He said it this way in Romans 12. He said, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. The Greek word there is metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It's a process that we're walking through. Are there struggles sometimes? Absolutely. Are there failures sometimes? Man, more than I can count or want to count. But when everything is said and done, can I tell you, there's still something that keeps pushing me back up to try again, to persevere again, because I know that the life I now live in the flesh is in process. It's being renovated. It's one of the things I love about our church. We got it posted on the front of the building, real church for real people. Because you can come here as you are. You don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. We are all in process. God is all, all inclusive of everyone. He's renovating our lives one by one where we are individually, specifically. Remember, there is promise in the process. God is doing something in each of us. You know, earlier this year when I found myself in that low place. I determined that my approach was going to be different in that season. It wasn't going to be to put up walls. It wasn't going to be to shut people out of my life, though, to be honest with you, that would have been easier. You ever felt that way? I was reminded Jesus was crucified in the public place for the world to see. And if I'm going to crucify my life, it's going to involve some people that are in my world. So I leaned into the season 
And I realized there were some things that I needed to crucify in my life, some things that needed renovation, some pride that needed to go, some fear that needed to go, some self-reliance that needed to go, recognizing that, that, man, I need other people in my life to speak into my life, to help me become all that God has called me to be. That's why our J groups are so important. It's easier to put up walls. But being crucified, there's nothing easy about that. Paul continues. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, there's something so significant about this verse that I think sometimes uh, when, when I've read it in the past, I've overlooked. Can I tell you, giving is the evidence of loving. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Can I tell you, love always wants to give. It always wants to express itself. If you're really a Christ lover, you're going to be a Christ giver. Your love has to express itself. It's the, it's the authentic way that you display love in your life. Giving is the evidence of loving. For God so loved the world that he gave. You can't have great love and small giving. If you have great love, you're going to have great giving. And I don't mean you're writing checks, okay? That's not the kind of giving I'm talking about. Though for some of you, God's given you a grace for that. And I want to encourage that. But it'll look like serving other people. If you have great love, you're going to have some great giving. You're going to serve other people. You're going to help them find and connect with Jesus the way that you found and connected with Jesus. You're going to find your place in, in the body of Christ to say, you know what, I'm going to lay down my life the way Jesus laid down his life, and I'm going to put others before myself. I'm going to rearrange my schedule if it needs to be rearranged. I'm going to commit to be the masterpiece that God saw in me a long time ago. You know, some of us, many of us, I think, we show up like I did in that house years ago. One look at ourselves, one look at who we are, and man, we see some broken areas. Some repairs that need to be made, some renovation that God needs God's attention. Some walls that need to come down. And at times we can wonder, man, God, I don't know if I can go through this Again, you know, some renovation projects take a long time. In fact, every single one of them have taken longer than I expected or wanted it to. And maybe you're in this place today and you're thinking to yourself, you're looking at your life, you're like, God, how, how long do I got to deal with this? How long do I have to go through this lean and it can feel like you're being hit with a jackhammer. It can feel like your life at times is being pried apart. Renovations aren't easy. It's a crucifixion. I've been crucified with Christ 
But nevertheless, I live. And I can tell you, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through right now, he's with you. He's with you. He's along with you. He suffered with you and for you. He's beside you. Our verse at the beginning. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. And here's the promise. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's a new life. It's waiting on you. Some of you have it, but you're not tapping into it. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. I've been thinking about you for a long time. I got things planned for you. I've got things in store for you. Lean in. Remember, there is promise in the process. There's promise in the process. The renovation may be hard. Keep pushing. Let God finish in you the work that he started in you. He wants you to chase after him. He's not forgotten you. He isn't, he isn't ignoring you. He's waiting for you to seek him, to call upon him, to let him create something new on the inside of you. There's a promise he has for your life. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder every day. And I want to pray for you in just a moment. Maybe you're in this place today and you're like, man, I, I'm going through it. I'm going through it. Dying to self is never easy. Crucifying yourself is never easy. But there is a promise in the process. And if you needed that reminder today, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for all of you. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you, God, for your process. We know it's not always easy. We know it can be difficult at times. God, position our heart in a place so that we can focus on you so that we can lean into what you want to do in the process. We commit to crucifying ourselves, God. Help us to see, Lord, what you are doing in us. Help us to see the areas of our lives that need to change, God. Help us to, to grow past them, Lord. Help us to sacrifice. Help us to, to give of ourselves and display the love that you so generously have displayed for each and every one of us. Maybe you're in this place today and you don't know God. You say, I don't have a relationship with him yet, but you feel like, man, there are some things in your life you need to change. There are some renovations that need to be made, some walls that need to come down, some changes that need to occur in your life. Can I tell you, he so desperately wants to come in to your life and he wants to start the process. He wants to come alongside you right where you are, no matter what that is, no matter how dark you feel like your life is or how low you feel in this moment. He wants to come alongside you. He wants to meet you where you are. That's what he did 2,000 years ago when he climbed up on that cross. You know, the connection between loving and giving goes all the way back 
to Jesus, that whosoever believes in him. This was such an incredible gift. This was such a big gift that it was all-encompassing. It was excluding no one. It was inclusive, not exclusive. He so loved the world that whosoever believed in him should not die but have everlasting life. And if you want that for your life today, I want to encourage you in just a moment. I want you to pray a prayer with me. And here's the key part of praying a prayer. It's not that you pray something out loud. It's that you're connecting with God, that you believe in your heart. So I really want you to put your focus and attention on God in this moment. You can repeat after me. You can do it under your breath. But I want you to connect with God. And I want you to believe in this moment and let God come into your life and start the process. Because there's a promise. Eternal life with him. Pray this prayer. Father, today, I give my life to you. I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Forgive me today, God. I give my life to you. I make you Lord of my life. I commit myself to you and I commit myself to your process. And if that's you in this place today with no one looking around, if you put your faith in Jesus, would you just slip your hand up real quick? Just slip it up, hold it up high so I can see it. Come on, I see that. Yep. Journey, will you help me celebrate the decisions that were made in this place today? Come on. 